Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,265. I work every day and every minute and every hour, like everything I have is on the line. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from New Orleans, Paul Fernandez. Hey, Paul, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. Paul Fernandez is the general manager at Automotive Touch-Up Paint. Automotive Touch-Up is known for producing automotive touch-up paint for any vehicle, and their paint options extend from the newest models on dealer lots to classic marks and models. The company also provides perfect matte OEM paint color matches for vehicles that are now discontinued and whose paint is difficult to find as a result. The company is a division of Microfinish, which produces coatings for vehicles and industrial equipment repair and refinishing in their state-of-art facility. Paul is in charge of production, human resources, recruitment, and most of the day-to-day activities. He was born in New Orleans and attended the university there and joined Automotive Touch-Ups soon after the company was started. So, Paul, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about the business, your career, and a very obvious passion for making sure cars look really great? Okay, so our business is uh, AutomotiveTouchUp.com. We also have a sister site, IndustrialTouchUp.com. There's not too big of a demand for uh, automotive touch-up repair for a ditch witch or uh, things of <laughs> things of that sort. Yeah. They, uh, it does exist, and a lot of people do, uh, you know, use them, and there is some demand for it. But yeah. and specifically, our company, uh, when I joined it, my owner Jeremy Thurnow was working basically with one other person usually, and he was working out of his garage, and it was just something he was doing on the side. Really didn't take off. It was a local kind of like, okay, we'll supplement body shots. So he would go ahead and he would work with uh, body shops locally, and give them an option to, you know, sell a uh, touch-up paint. So he would get a lot of referrals that way and things like that. And he basically realized that there was some demand for this. He had no idea what the demand would be. And eventually he launched a website. That's where he actually started to get orders. Now that started out as a bit of a trickle. It wasn't really a big thing. And that's kind of where I started coming in when he realized that he had a little more than he could handle with just one part-time employee. When I walked in, the first day I walked in, there were uh, three people there. Two of them were working, and one of them was a part-time kid. And and I mean a kid. He was probably straight out of high school. And <laughs> I could see sure. that this was just kind of a ragtag thing, that at that point, they weren't really growing at a high rate. There wasn't a lot going on. So it was a small numbers kind of operation. And it basically took a jump about a year and a half after I started. I took the job uh, the day I met him. I just needed something, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do at that point. So I took the job, and it's probably about a year after that that growth really started to hit. You know, a lot of that had to do with uh, how Google portrayed us and, uh, you know, basically the kind of algorithms that go into helping websites like ours and stuff like that. But 
before we knew it, we just we had a lot more work than we were used to, and we were adding employees at a rapid, rapid rate, and we were going from small numbers to larger numbers, rapidly expanding, constantly looking at new buildings because we weren't sure where we were going to be two months later, six months later, even a year later, and eventually uh, grew into what we are now. Very cool. I love stories like this. Started in a garage. You know, Steve Jobs started in a garage, um, you know. All sorts of companies started in the garage. Even Walt Disney started in a garage. So garages are great places to start side businesses that can grow into successful companies. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your business into a success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Paul, take the wheel. So, for me, uh, I don't really have a success quote. Now, I do have kind of a mantra that I live by. and uh, Cool. It's not the same as most people's possibly, but I'm sure a few people share it. And that's that I work every day and every minute and every hour, like everything I have is on the line. I mean, that's just the way I approach things. Um, Uh It's the way I think. I tend to gravitate to what's at stake, not immediately towards what's to be gained. Because I think I, I don't have like a need to succeed the way some people do, but I do have a fear to fail. I say that in terms of that. There's a lot riding on every decision. There's a lot riding on everything we do. There's a lot of people who work for us who rely on us. And I can't always think ahead to, okay, how do we expand today and how can we add more people? I want things to stay as well as possible and work as well as possible and protect what we have while simultaneously on the side, making sure we're like taking strides to push ourselves further. Absolutely. Kind of reminds me of the great uh, Carpe Diem, seize the day, seize the moment, uh, take care of things that are right in front of you right now and do the best you can with them. So great mantra to live by. I want to go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car guy? I'm not the typical car guy in a lot of ways. It's really kind of a more recent thing for me. And it's probably just like the last uh, 10 to 12 years. Even when I started with the company, I wasn't really a car guy. I wouldn't identify myself that way. My passion with cars was kind of influenced by my father. He was a, he was a big hot rodder. He used to make me go down to Ford versus Chevy, like, you know, every year. Yeah. Make you, know. you go down. Oh yeah. Make me because <laughs> I didn't really feel like it at the time, you know, because yeah, yeah. and I can expound on that. That'll make more sense is that basically, uh, he would, you know, drive me and my, uh, me and my younger brother to school every day in his Chevelle, but he kept it year round so he could go do backstreet uh drag racing and get ready for ford versus chevy all year so there was only one seat in the chevelle ah okay (laughs) yeah and you know he's cutting weight wherever he could and so me and my brother we didn't have seat belts we sat on the metal floor where there were no seats oh my gosh he took out the back he (laughs) took out the back bench seat he took out the front bucket seat he took out everything except for his seat so he got a seat (laughs) we didn't get a seat he drove us to school he had slicks on it all year Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> and and I think, you know, at least in my early part of my uh, you know, life that I didn't uh have the positive kind of outlook on cars that some people do. Well, I guess if he's to ride on the floorboard, yeah, yeah cars kind of yeah, suck. I didn't yeah, to, you know, as probably all the way up until my teens, I didn't look at cars as like, oh, cars are great. I I love cars, you know. It was more like <laughs> cars yeah, are this- 
car is a seat, Dad. No, no, the car <laughs> is the most uncomfortable part of my day, basically. So uh, <laughs> no kidding. it wasn't no later, kidding. and uh, you know, we we got further into the company, and obviously, then I'm working with uh, distributors and other people that you know work within the industry, and that yeah. I started to develop a real affinity for cars at that point, and financial means too, because when I started in this, I was still really young, and you know trying to you know get my feet on the ground so of course (laughs) what a great story it didn't happen until later that i kind of understood what that car really meant to him you know even if he like uh put us off on cars a little bit early on that yeah the work he put into that car the time he put into that car you know that was the one thing he had that didn't belong to my mother you know like that was his (laughs) that was his thing she didn't want anything to do with it you know and so I can't imagine why. Yeah, no. So I, I get that now, you know, and for me, I mean, I don't have like huge, uh, you know, dream thing. It's not like that for me. You know, like I, I have a Wrangler right now because I wanted one when I was younger. I have a project in mind that I'd like to work on at some point soon. But other than that, uh, yeah, my car thing, it started just, uh, I'd say, 10 years ago or so. There you go. Well, we're getting you there, Paul. You're part of the club now. Oh, yeah, sure. So we're going we're, we're gonna to keep uh, enticing you with all sorts of fun stuff. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've gone down, talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you may have faced in your life or your career. And of course, the most important thing about these situations is what they teach us. So walk us through that. Tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career, your business, and your life. I think the main thing for me is that I really didn't know where I was going to end up or what I was going to be doing. I know that's a common problem. Uh, for a lot of people nowadays. And it can be seen as a challenge. It can be seen as a failure. It can be seen as both, I guess. It depends on uh, how it's going. But, you know, I was fresh out of college and I was only uh, 23, 22. Yeah, probably just about to turn 23. And I didn't really have a plan at that point for my life. That was my challenge. I put myself in a situation where I went to school for things that I kind of cared about, you know, I went to school and studied English and history, and that was my focus. And I originally went for film because uh, University of New Orleans at the time that I went, it was the late 90s, early 2000s. It was really like kind of blooming as like a real, real, really good film uh, school. And that was my early passion was that I wanted to, you know, get into filmmaking. And But the problem was, is that they couldn't keep up with the expansion. And they did a couple of features of uh, University of New Orleans on an independent film channel. And that just drove it even further because, I mean... You know, most people would go to UCLA or USC or somewhere like that to go to film school and pay a ton in tuition. And University of New Orleans was less than 2000 a semester. So you had people coming from all over the country to get into these this film uh, program. And so you have, you know, 15 classes uh, offered with, you know, 15 to 25 seats. And you have well over a thousand people enrolled in the program and you kind of get left out in the cold on most of the classes. I got discouraged really quickly, decided, well, the things I like otherwise are English and history, dove headlong into those, didn't think twice, then, you know, graduate. And I'm sitting there with a couple of degrees that leave me with the options of being a teacher or continuing to go to school. And at that point, I had enough of school. Right. I wanted to get started on something and I didn't know what it was. And so, you know, just jumping jobs, uh, restaurant jobs and, you know, working in kitchens and, you know, flirting with uh, going to the Navy. I nearly joined the OCS and stuff like that. And 
So at that point, that was my failure is that I had no clue what I was going to do. And I happened to meet Jeremy, started working with him. And that first sign that the company was growing and that I was an integral part of that growth and helping make sure that we could manage that growth properly is when, uh, you know, I kind of felt like, OK, this is where I belong and this is where I'm going to be. You know, it's a great story, and, and it's an all-too-common story for young people. They feel like they have to go to college. They go. Uh, you know, Mike Rowe touches on this a lot, and I love Mike Rowe for the way he promotes all sorts of things. Not only he does promote college, but also promotes trade schools and the fact that, you know, it's okay to do that. But so many young people do this, and they take out these massive loans. They get out of school with this degree that, number one, won't really provide them with the support to even pay back the loan. Number two. It isn't really what they wanted to do in the first place. And it's really a shame in the case of impacted schools like you experienced with the film schools that the schools are not planning things properly to allow courses. I ran into that same problem all the time when I was in college. And yeah, so many times it led me to think, ah, oh, I'm done with this. It's ridiculous. So uh, I'm glad that you've landed where you landed and you found some passion there and uh, you're helping build a, a company, which is the most important and the funnest thing you do anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle. Maybe I shouldn't even ask you this if you, since you weren't a car guy that much back oh, then. Oh, that but... doesn't mean I don't have a special vehicle. Okay, good, good, good. Does, right? Well, I hope so. I hope so. Well, so tell me special, about yours. Okay, well, it's special to me. I don't know who else it would be special to. That's all that matters here. This is yeah. your show, Paul. <laughs> so when I was around 19, um, I think I was 19 at the time. And okay, my special vehicle was a uh, 83 Two-door Corolla, primer gray with, uh, I don't know, probably uh, 90-something thousand miles on it. You know, it looked like the down-on-his-luck car. It's that car, you know? That's what it <laughs> yeah. looked like. And uh, if I wasn't young, uh, it's the kind of car, you know, you, you wonder, boy, how, how hard has that guy got it? And uh, so, you know, I picked it up on the side of the road for like 700 bucks and bought Score. it off the guy. Yeah, it was a good <laughs> yeah. deal. And uh, yeah. I drove that thing for years and I went everywhere in it, you know, never had trouble with it. It was the most reliable car that I, you know, ever had. It was uh, just cool. a simple old thing and kind of yeah. ugly and got me everywhere I wanted to be. And and it was everything I liked. And until literally it just came to a crash. I was uptown um, in New Orleans, made a left one night after dropping my cousin off at his apartment and a guy in a black full size. I think it was a Ram, but you know, I only caught a glimpse of him and then he took out a light post after me, but he just uh, destroyed, destroyed yeah. me. And uh, so that was the end of that car. And it was a sad day for me because Although it, you know, if you picked it out of a lineup, you'd say that's the ugliest worst, <laughs> yeah. worst car there. But for me, it meant something. Well, of course, and that's the thing with so many cars, no matter being a Ferrari or a Corolla, it really is about the memories and the experiences and uh, the dreaded left-hand turn. Yeah, uh, they get you every time. These guys coming through stoplights and stop signs. I'm glad you're okay, though. That's the most important thing. How about Sellers Remorse? Is there a vehicle you've sold and uh, really wish you had back? Yeah, this one doesn't really – I don't really have one of these. Um, that's the only car that I would have wished I'd had back because I still – I had to buy another car, uh, you know, to get through college. And yeah. at that point, you know, the, you know, if you buy two beaters in a row and the first one turns out to be a, 
a really uh, reliable, nice thing. The second one probably won't. And it did. And it <laughs> you didn't. lucked out. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it didn't. So I had trouble with that one constantly. And uh, But I've never really I've never had, really had a sentimental or an emotional attachment to a specific vehicle. So that's been good for me, I guess, because – Well, you know, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no tears to shed. I, yeah, I don't want to have to sit there and be sad about my car. I know, like I can always look at it as, well, there's other cars. I can get another car. I know it's – it's not like I lost a person. I lost a car. I can move on. So there you go. Good attitude to have. Well, I would love for you to share with our listeners what has you excited and fired up these days about automotive touch up. Uh, I think this is a really cool deal. I'm a, as my listeners know, I'm a nutcase when it comes to taking care of my cars. Anytime there's a chip, I touch it up. I use, uh, you know, OEM paint to make sure it matches. I do a little color sanding and, you know, smooth it out and buff it and polish it. I did a few in my wife's car this weekend because we had big snow and, Obviously, there was a lot of stuff getting thrown up, and I noticed a couple new nicks on her paint, so I was out there touching them up and making them perfect. I love the fact, too, that you guys provide uh, touch-up paint for equipment. So does that mean that uh, my Honda lawnmower, I can touch up that chip on the side? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. cool. Yeah. Well, what has you excited about the business these days? Tell our listeners everything they could expect to learn about automotive touch-up. First, I'll tell you kind of about, you know, what we do and why we're a good option for people. But yeah, and then I'll tell you, you know, what really makes me excited about where we're going. And then it's that we just want to offer people a really good alternative to body shops. And if you can avoid a body shop when you have a small repair to make, and especially if it's just a small cosmetic repair, it's not down to the metal, it's barely through the clear coat, you've got a little chip, you've got a little, you know, scratch or something like that, then we want to offer you every possible avenue to fix that yourself and maybe have a, you know, $80 cost and 10 hours of your time as opposed to $800. And yes, if we can do that for you, then, you know, that, that makes us happy. You know, I mean, not just that we got your business, but that it was good for you. And hopefully, you know, you can recommend us to other people or, you know, you'll come back if, you know, you have the need and it will be good for both parties. But, you know, those are kind of our priorities is that we just want to give people the option. From what we found is that once you give people the option, a lot of people take the, that option. Yes. And as far as what excites me uh, within the company itself, you know, when you start a company like this, you rely on distributors so much, right? So you rely on everyone to get stuff to you. I mean, you don't walk into something like this and be like, Oh, well, you know, we'll just make clear coat. You don't know how to make clear coat. You're not a chemist, right? You don't know how to do these things. You have to buy things from everyone else. And our goal eventually, and, you know, we're working on it every day. And, you know, we made great strides towards it is that make everything proprietary here is that our clear coat is made in house, you know, and everything that goes in our aerosol cans is made in house. And plastic parts adhesion promoter, that's made by us, you know. We don't have to go through someone else to give us what we need. We make it ourselves, and we want to be as self-sufficient as possible. Uh, we'd rather just be placing orders with chemical companies than placing orders with people who are big, giving us huge markups on stuff that now we have to mark up. It's really not right. a. It's not the best avenue for a business like ours. Yeah, kind of a direct supply. So tell me this. Typically, when I bought touch-up paint for my cars, it comes in a little, almost like a lipstick size tube, and it has a very goofy brush on the end that's worthless. I I use these other little micro brushes for touching up my car. But are there different ways that you provide this paint to people? You mentioned aerosol cans. Yeah. So uh, we'll do uh, ready to spray and we'll do uh, pints and quarts and gallons and things like that, obviously, because some people have larger jobs. But yeah, aerosol cans are probably our most popular. And 
easiest to use option is that don't like people to take like a chip on their car that's the size of like a you know a, a nickel or a quarter and think i'm just gonna like slather a little paint on here with a brush <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. gonna look great you better be an, an artist or something man because <laughs> exactly i yeah. mean you're gonna you might get a streak in it it might not look exactly the way you want it might not uh sit in the chip at the same level as what you expect the best thing to do is do some light sanding and some real really extensive surface prep and use an aerosol product and refinish a larger area and they're our most popular product. And besides that, yeah, we do offer uh, half-ounce bottles, two-ounce bottles, paint pens. And like you, you like the little dabbers. Well, we sell micro-dabbers. And yeah. people, yeah, micro-dabbers is the way to go, especially for a really small repair. They really do work really well. Um, originally, a company I used to work with, we sold them. They Originally, I found them in the dental industry is where they came from. The best way to describe that to listeners is it's, a, it's like a plastic toothpick, but at the end, it's a little puffball. And the, those puffballs come in different sizes depending on how you want to fill. But I always tell people when you're filling a chip, a small chip, is small steps. Uh, apply a little paint, let it dry. Apply a little paint. Most people blob it on. They end up with a pimple basically on their car. And they're like, how do I get that down? And then if the, you don't have experience with any uh, micro sanding or anything, you end up scratching the paint and then you've got to polish it. But that's okay. That's the process that I go through. Uh, but I think it's great you supply these things, and it, it's fun to touch up little chips, make your car look better. Uh, it's easy, and there's plenty of resources out there to watch on YouTube and so forth where you can go and learn how to do this in a very, very professional way. There's even some uh, very new, or what I would call newer, they've been around a while, uh, ways to slide it on, and I'll just let the uh, listeners out there go and research that and find out how to do that. But it's absolutely awesome. And I love the fact that they can just they can just give you a paint coat off their car. Uh, every car has those on the, the bodywork. Or you guys have a great search system with your website where people can find out the exact match to their paint as well. So awesome service that you guys provided. It's great. Oh, we're trying to make it as easy as possible. Absolutely. And uh, you just feel so good when you touch up those little paint chips because for me, I hate them. I look at them and it just, ah. So. Yeah, I, I always recommend people, uh, if if they're not sure, it's it's a good idea just to buy some and keep it on hand. Just get a small bottle of paint, get uh, something to apply it with and keep it. That way you don't have to wait. Yep, absolutely. So Paul, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to buy cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, 
thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah! podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah! TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah! is now on MAV-TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah! guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah! TV. MavTV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Paul, we are back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you, Paul. Now that you're a car guy, if you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested into a vehicle, Paul actually turned into a car parked in the garage, what would you be and why? Oh, this probably isn't going to be that exciting. Um, I'd say I'm probably just a a really nice work truck, and yeah, uh, yeah, the one that doesn't let you down. And (laughs) I like that. (laughs) So, uh, you know, if you need a tow, that's me. If you uh, you need somebody to winch out of a ditch, probably me. If you need stuff moved and you don't have another option, that's definitely me. So, uh, you know, I'm just dependable, and uh, I find a way to get anything done ever. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I'm going to add a little option to you as a truck. You have self-healing paint. How's that? (laughs) Given your business, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Someday someone's going to invent that. I know they have somewhat self-healing film that they put on vehicles now. My next-door neighbor, Bill, had that put on his new Raptor. He let me drive this thing. He he did some uh, upgrades to it uh, from Cobb, a wonderful performance company. I had uh, one of their key folks on my show, and oh, my gosh, thing is a rocket ship for a truck. Absolutely incredible. Maybe we'll make Paul a Raptor, you know, something go. a little spectacular. Yeah, yeah it goes me, real fast. Give me a little bit of that, too. Okay. There you go. There yeah. you go. Well, Paul, we are entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, don't drink and drive. Oh, of course. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Very important. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? I guess the easiest one for me is that I get up probably uh, at about like 5.30 every day. I'm always up early. I'm always getting started early. And, you know, I'm just – and actually, uh, I think I haven't called into work since 08. So, yeah. Oh, calling sick, you mean? Yeah. So as yeah, far okay. as being reliable and uh, being up yeah. early and everything else, yeah. So th- look, that's what I tell every new employee we have. You know, step one, be here, be on time, and we'll figure it out. You know, that's half the job. Just show up. And uh, yeah. my dad taught me a valuable lesson growing up. You know, get to work before the boss. Availability um, show is important. Up, sh- show up early. Absolutely. And I love getting up early. I think that's part of your mantra of seizing the day, using every moment, because uh, a lot of people, you know, they don't realize if you got up an hour earlier, that gives you an extra seven hours a week that you can get some things done. And uh, that adds up over the course of a year. So very cool. I think the the guy that I know that gets up earliest is a past guest here, Art Morrison, who builds fantastic chassis for custom cars. That guy gets up at 3.30 in the morning. That's Every you, day. Sometimes that's when I go to bed. So, Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, it's incredible. 
How about a resource? There are awesome resources out there these days. Is there one you'd like to share? Um, sure. Our site, automotivetouchup.com, um, the eBay Motors blog, uh, our YouTube channel is really good. Um, even if you're not buying our products, but I hope you are, it's still a good resource for uh, how-to videos and stuff like that. They can just yeah. look up Automotive Touchup. Uh, D-Sport Magazine, Mustang Times, American Car, Co- Car Collector Magazine, American Car Collector Magazine. Just a few. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And you mentioned in YouTube, a great, great resource that these folks have here if you want to learn how to properly touch up your paint. It's very easy to do. And I always say, you know, if you don't want to practice on your car, practice on the family beater or the wife's car if she doesn't really care that much about her car or even go over and offer to touch up the neighbor's cars and just practice on them uh, before you touch yours. I always said that's a great thing to do. Or maybe that rental car you have, work yeah. on that. Don't do don't do too bad of a job on the neighbors. But, uh, <laughs> no, not yeah. too bad. Yeah, good neighbors are the best thing to have. How about if I could wave my magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? I didn't have a really good one, but uh, what came to mind first, and it's less about automotive, is uh, Elon Musk. And yes. mostly because I'm really interested in the SpaceX stuff. I'm really interested in the AI stuff. The fact that we're privatizing space industry and probably that's the way it's going to go. And, uh, you know, hey, Tesla, too. I'm interested. I'm interested uh, in anything where someone's going to try to do something innovative. So that's great, too. You know, and uh, just ideas about the future and things like that. People that reach that high and try to, you know, go that far with something. I find that admirable. And uh, it's something we do need. Yes, absolutely. I think it's great. I would love to have Elon Musk on this show. He's hard to get to. He's a little busy these days, but uh, maybe imagine, one of these yeah. days I will I will land him on this show. Yeah, really admire what he's done in his life and uh, his innovative thinking. And I loved. I mean, it'd be a scary place to get inside his skull because it's probably a very very active spot. Yeah. Uh, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, tons of books, but uh, let's see. What have I read least recently? I read uh, recently. I read The Rum Diary, Hunter S. Thompson. Yep. If anyone's never read it. Check it out if you like Hunter yeah. S. Thompson. It's uh, it was kind of like one of his lost ones. It didn't get published until uh, basically the '90s, and it kind of just sat on a shelf since you know the like uh, late '50s, early '60s. But uh, it's basically about a journalist who goes to uh, Puerto Rico, and it's really that my favorite thing about the book is uh, that it really kind of it's one of those books where it gives you a real feel like you feel like you've been to Puerto Rico. You read the book yeah. and by the time you're done with it, you feel like you know what Puerto Rico's like, even if you've never set foot there. And I haven't. And I feel like I could tell somebody about Puerto Rico for a few minutes. There you go. Hunter S. Thompson, awesome author. Well, you can find all these great links that Paul has shared on his very own Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Paul Fernandez. And by the way, there's a great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books. All my past 1,265 guest books are recommended there. There's thousands of books there. I've made it really easy for you with a quick click to buy. So check it out on the Cars Yeah website under resources. All right. We are up to the checkered flag here, Paul. This is where it gets pretty fun. As if we already had already have had a lot of fun here today. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today. Anything you want. Any car in the world. Doesn't matter who owns it. I'm going to get it for you. But there's a couple rules to this game. One is it's the only collector car you can have, so you need to choose wisely. Secondly, I want you to drive it. No garage queens allowed here. No dust on the cars. Perfect. And thirdly, you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So whatever you pick, you're stuck with. So 
What's it going to be? Okay, so this is easy. I would drive this every day. Um, Good. Let's see. How about uh, 75 Bronco? I really like how, I've always loved how Broncos look, but really the mid 70s, that's yeah. kind of, that's the look to me. That's like, like I said, I drive a Wrangler, but I feel like it's like the child of that Bronco. So, and yeah. uh, they just look really good, especially the mid 70s models. And, uh, you know, I, hey, I could be behind the wheel of that every day. No problem. And, oh, yeah. But I'm partial to a, a Wagoneer too. So, but Bronco 75, that'd be good. Classic car. Very, very cool. Well, Paul, you've taken me on a great ride today. I always like talking to somebody who likes to care for cars. I love taking care of cars, so I love having found you guys. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off over the hills in that 75 Bronco? Um, Yeah, I don't know how much guidance I can give. I'm a little younger than, uh, you know, so maybe maybe uh, something for younger people is just that uh, it's that uh, don't let failure, perceived failure, anything like that, deter them from getting anywhere. Uh, you know, success is not easy. It's basically only easy for the most fortunate people. You should never count on being fortunate. You should just count on working hard every day. There you go. I love that. What's the best way, again, for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? Check us out at AutomotiveTouchUp.com or IndustrialTouchUp.com. If they want to call us, they can too. one 888 7105192 we do have a lot of people who prefer to call in with questions or if they just need us to walk them through orders and things like that and uh again automotivetouchup.com and just let us save you a trip to the body shop absolutely you can do it yourself and it's fun along the way well again you'll find all these links on Paul's show notes page on the car show website just talk type if i could speak just type Paul, Paul Fernandez into the search bar and that page will pop up Paul, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.